This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Powered by Righteous Media. Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 201 and our third annual Festivus holiday episode. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. We're just days away from the start of Hanukkah, a week and a half away from Christmas, and only one week from Festivus. More on that in a minute. But even as we prepare for the airing of grievances and set up our Festivus poll, even now is a time to stay vigilant. You're here to make a significant announcement. I've registered as an Arizona independent. I know some people might be a little bit surprised by this, but actually I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, a growing number of Arizonans and people like me just don't feel like we fit neatly into one party's box or the other. And so, like many across the state and the nation, I've decided to leave that partisan process and really just focus on the work that I think matters to Arizona and to our country, which is solving problems and getting things done. Arizona Senator Kirsten Cinema is leaving the Democratic Party and declaring herself an independent. Now, obviously, this is very big news, especially for the independent movement. And it's not entirely unexpected. I've been predicting what I call the great fragmentation of American politics for months now on this show. People of all types are rejecting the two major parties. And cinema is just the latest example. Now, she's always been an opportunistic politician. And like so many others, she sees the massive growth in the number of Americans who are leaving and refusing to join the broken two-party duopoly. Independents are the biggest and fastest-growing group of voters in America, especially in places like Arizona. And cinema sees the power and the opportunity of the independent brand, an evolving brand that now she will attempt to define. She's the first of what will probably be a wave of others in the Senate and the House who do the same, because it's a smart political move for many, and it will become a more and more popular one in the days and decades to come. The independent wave is real and growing fast. But calling yourself an independent when you're someone like Cinema is easy. The hard part is getting independents to follow you, especially when you were recently a Democrat or Republican. Ask Andrew Yang. Christine Todd Whitman and others we've had on this show. We'll see if cinema can do it. I'm an independent, a real independent. And like millions of others, being an independent isn't new to me. And I think cinema is full of shit. Everyone can see that. 
no matter what party you claim or don't. Because real independence means integrity, not just opportunism. Now, of course, I invite Senator Cinema to join me on this show anytime. I think we'd all love to hear more. But until then, watch this space and stay vigilant. Because you know I will. Because even during Festivus, stakes is high. Yes, to all you good little boys and girls, stakes is high in the Senate and around the world. And independents are going to be key. And someone else got their independence this week. Someone big. Someone very big. Someone six foot nine inches big. Good morning, folks, and it is a good morning. Moments ago, standing together with her wife, Sherelle, uh, in the Oval Office, I spoke with Brittany Griner. She's safe. She's on a plane. She's on her way home. After months of being unjustly detained in Russia, held under intolerable circumstances, Brittany will soon be back in the arms of her loved ones, and, uh, and she should have been there all along. Yes, finally. This was fantastic news. What Brittany Griner has endured is disgusting and disgraceful. And it's another reason Putin is a terrorist and a threat to the entire world. And her release is a wonderful early Christmas present to her, to her family, and to all who work so hard to support her and get her home. And well done by the president and all involved. Most of them have names we'll never know. But America is a team game, always, and especially on missions like this. America is not supposed to leave any American behind. And Americans and the world must know and see that that is true always, especially after we failed to do it in places like Afghanistan. And the fight against Putin's terrorism is not just Ukraine's fight. It's the entire world's fight. And the entire world will never have peace until he's gone. We've talked about it on this show repeatedly. And there's, of course, another part of this. American and Marine vet Paul Whelan is still being held by Putin, and he should be released as well, without a doubt, full stop. But Greiner was facing unique threats in a Russian prison. She's a six foot nine black gay woman, and Putin has an abominable record on rights for LGBTQ people. And the unique risks that Greiner faced in Russian prisons should underscore the unique threats that LGBTQ people face in Russia and worldwide. Look, Greiner's won gold medals for the United States, and she's an elite athlete and leader. And now that she's home, I have no doubt that she'll be out in front leading the fight for the release of Paul Whelan. And we should all join her. From NBA stars to the veterans community, together, let's bring him home too. But some on the right, are all over this in a very negative way, attacking the president and attacking Griner, which is just what Putin hoped would happen. Because it's no Christmas surprise to see that our two parties can find a reason to fight over everything, especially if it has a racial component. And that's something Putin was hoping for all along. And it's another reason to focus on the positive. An American is coming home, a civilian American is coming home, one that was unjustly detained by a war criminal, a despot, and an enemy of America. 
So it's good news this holiday season that's worth celebrating. An American is free of Putin. Another American is independent of his grasp. That's a win for her family, for the good guys and gals, and especially for truly independent Americans. And this holiday season, maybe we can see a new world where we can all be independent. The entire world could be independent. Energy independent. Today, we're here to talk about fusion, combining two particles into one. Last week, at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California, scientists at the National Ignition Facility achieved fusion ignition. And that is creating more energy from fusion reactions than the energy used to start the process. It's the first time it has ever been done in a laboratory, anywhere in the world. Simply put, this is one of the most impressive scientific feats of the 21st century. This is a hell of a holiday miracle, and the future is finally here. This could finally change everything. It's one of the biggest scientific breakthroughs in modern history. And if there was ever a time we needed hope like this, it's now. This is independence on a whole new level, energy independence. And outside of instant world peace, or an end to NFL overtime, it's the best early Christmas present the entire world could ask for. And it happened in America. This holiday season, our country is bruised, imperfect, battered. But we can still do great things, truly great things. The same country that has all the mass shootings and had our capital attacked by domestic terrorists is still the country that developed the COVID vaccine is sending explorers to Mars, and for the first time ever, developed a fusion reactor that has produced more energy than was used to trigger the reaction. And it happened in California, USA. This Festivus, there's lots to be concerned about, but there's also lots to be thankful for. Lots that has to do with independence. Independence in energy. Independence domestically. and independence overseas. As our friends in Ukraine continue to defend their independence, they're finally getting just what they needed this Christmas from America Clause. The U.S. is finally planning to send Patriot missile defense systems to Ukraine. And this is excellent. Finally, it's happening and it's about time. We need to pour it on. For months, the Ukrainians have been asking for us to help them close the skies, to stop missiles and bombs and drones from hitting their families, hitting their children, hitting their civilians. And Patriot missile batteries will help. We're already providing Patriot missile systems to over 12 countries around the globe. We're providing them to everyone from Spain to Poland. And Ukraine is due. American missile systems made in America defending American allies against tyranny. It's support that is vitally needed inside Ukraine, where it continues to get cold, the fighting continues to be bloody, and the fight continues to drag on. Because this holiday season, it is very cold in Ukraine. 
but there's still hope. There's still heat in their hearts and there's still fire in their bellies because they understand better than anyone how important and precious independence really is. And Ukraine is not the only country at war this holiday. And like NORAD tracking Santa, you need to keep it on your Festivus radar too. Yes, Virginia, America is still at war this Christmas, too. Despite what our politicians, including the president, may tell you, America is still at war. Or at least our troops are. This weekend, U.S. troops killed two ISIS officials in Syria in a unilateral helicopter raid overnight on December 11th. CENTCOM released the news, and you probably never heard about it. But yes, U.S. troops are still engaged in combat in Syria. And it's not the only place. U.S. troops are also back in Somalia, scrambling to help its special forces. So this Christmas, men and women in America's uniforms will also be in Somalia. Meanwhile, we've left far too many who stood with us before in Afghanistan behind to die. And the Afghan Adjustment Act that we've talked about on this show with Matt Zeller and others is before the Senate this holiday. The Afghan Adjustment Act is at a critical point. 54 U.S. senators are in favor, and six more are needed. Only six. So if you want to focus your holiday magic, focus on people like North Carolina Senator Tom Tillis, Texas's John Cornyn, Alabama's Senator Shelby, Nebraska's Ben Sash and Deborah Fisher, Idaho's Crapo and Risch, and Utah's Senator Mitt Romney. This holiday, give the gift of freedom. Give the gift of independence to our allies and friends in Afghanistan. Call your senators and tell them you're an independent American who demands that they support the independence of others. Others who've put their lives on the line for us. It's the least these politicians can do this holiday season, even as the great fragmentation of American politics continues. Independent doesn't mean just the middle. It means none of the above. It's not a new party. It's no party. It's a rejection of the status quo and the rejection of limited options. Kind of like Festivus. Now, if you haven't heard our two other annual Festivus specials, or you're not a fan of the American institution that is Seinfeld, let me please remind you. Many Christmases ago, I went to buy a doll for my son. I reached for the last one they had, but so did another man. As I rained blows upon him, I realized there had to be another way. What happened to the doll? It was destroyed. But out of that, a new holiday was born. A Festivus for the rest of us. That must have been some kind of doll. She was. And at the Festivus dinner, you gather your family around and tell them all the ways they have disappointed you over the past year. And is there a tree? No, instead there's a pole. Requires no decoration. I find tinsel distracting. Frank, this new holiday of yours is scratching me right where I itch. Let's do it then. All right. Festivus is back! I'll get the pole out of the crawl space. Yes, my friends, Festivus is back. A Festivus for the rest of us. 
and so is our annual Independent Americans Festivus special with the man himself, the legend, the iconic actor who played George Costanza on Seinfeld, the friend of this show, the conscience for America, and a very proud new grandfather, the American treasure, an American icon, Jason Alexander. We're closer now than ever before. How much alike we are. Perhaps we're long lost brothers. If you know me or have heard our past Festivus and holiday shows, you know that I love the movie Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. It's my favorite Christmas film. It's a story of community and hard work and generosity and about having the courage to step on stage about being brave enough to take a chance, share your talent, and share your love. That's what Alice Otter does, and what she teaches her son Emma to do, by her example. It's a story about hope, about guts, about family, and about love. And that's the story of our guest this episode. For almost an entire generation, Jason Alexander has been a part of our lives and a part of representing America to the world. And he continues every year to help us understand ourselves, our past, and our future. A future that has a whole new perspective for him now after the recent birth of his first grandchild. Jason's a true master of all entertainment, stage, screen, TV, and beyond. He won seven consecutive primetime Emmys, three Golden Globes, and a Tony. And he's a truly inspiring, fascinating, and lovely man. He'll share his story. He'll share his jokes. He'll share his insights. And he'll share his heart. It's the perfect holiday gift for all of us. See wonder in your eyes. Love can open your eyes. Welcome to the holidays. Now it can officially start. Welcome to the Christmas season. Welcome to the Hanukkah season. Welcome to the Festivus season. Festivus for the rest of us. Welcome to Independent Americans, episode 201. Love can open your eyes. Welcome, brother, to our world. Ladies and gentlemen, independent Americans around the country and around the world, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Festivus. It is that time of the year, the time of joy, the time of generosity, the time of laughter, and the time where our next guest finally rejoins us for his annual visit, just in time for the holidays, for his third inaugural visit to independent Americans. The great and powerful Jason Alexander returns. Welcome back, sir. Uh, no, Nowhere else am I referred to as the great and powerful, I have to say. I think that's the secret of why I keep coming back to you, Paul. <laughs> well, once a year, I will do it, you know? And I even, you know, for folks watching on video, I put on reindeer uh, antlers for you, and I'll take yeah, them off that, now. Um, I have my, my holiday shirt on that has uh, hanging with the gnomies instead of 
the homies. I got the whole Christmas thing going on, but happy holidays to you, my friend. Thank you, my friend. Right back to you. I see you've got your tree up and your your elves are on the wall and your guitar is back there ready for the carols, no doubt. And You're an observer yeah. and you look like you are secretly in, in Santa's workshop or somewhere. We have I, I work at a Vaseline factory and it's just a mess over here. But <laughs> Uh, I I love having you here. I love talking to you. It just makes me happy. I know it makes everyone else happy. So let me kick it off with the question I ask of everyone. Jason, where are you and how are you? Oh, what a lovely thing. Well, I'm home. I'm happy to be home. I'm uh, in L.A. in my in my lovely little abode that uh, most of this year, I will tell you, uh, we have worked on totally redoing what is now called the primary bathroom off of the primary bedroom, hmm. a job that I thought would take, I'll go crazy, 10 weeks. 10 months later, it, it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. Uh, my marriage survived, my home survived, my mental health survived. Uh, so I'm here at home and I, I am, uh, I like you, my friend, we, we always talk about um, how blessed we are. And, and uh, especially at this time of the year, I do, I get it. I, it, it, it's hard not to reflect and just see the blessings. Uh, you know, I say to my wife every night, we get into bed and I go, we have a bed. Mm. We have a bed. This is really a great thing. <laughs> you know, it's just those little things that you go, we're not, we're not, we're not roughing it. We 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 are safe. We are warm. We are um, together. We are healthy. And tonight we go to bed. Our our family is fine. We're good. This was a good day. So uh, that's that's kind of how I check in. We we all need that. I think it's been I think it's been a really hard year. I mean, yeah. it's kind of like the election, like every year is the most important election and every year is like the hardest year. Right. Yeah. And and I feel like there's a lot of exhaustion and a lot of uncertainty and there's war and there's conflict. And, you know, getting that perspective from you, especially, I think, is really important. And, you know, your life's work has been about entertaining people and inspiring people. And you continue to give back. But you've also you also mentioned to me you've got a new baby grandchild which probably yeah. brings it all back home in, in, in another way. What's, what's that been like? Uh, it's a relatively new thing. He is, uh, we celebrated his two month birthday this week. Um, you know, Paul, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. And, and everybody, you know, kind of knows that, you know, that being a grandparent is going to be a, a change for you. A very hard thing to anticipate. And uh, you know, all through the pregnancy, people would say, how do you feel? How do you feel? And I go, well, I don't really know how. I, I mean, I'm thrilled. I'm I'm delighted. But, I, you know, it's very abstract. And then you meet this little person. And he happens to be, uh, he just happens to be a particularly sweet and sweet looking baby. And the, my wife always talks about what she misses most about having her babies was that feeling that you could literally just pick a person up and hold them and their whole world was better. Mm. And, and having that ability to do that for somebody, 
and you, you miss it and you don't realize how much you miss it. And then there's another baby. And in this case, it is my child's child, you know, so seeing him look at his son um, in the way that I know I looked at him, it, it's very emotional. It's very hard to, to, you know, really put a finger on to describe, but it is, it is a delicious delightful blessing and every time i i hold this little guy um i am reminded of there's you know as as you know so well there's there's work to do we can't just settle back and say okay i'm fine i'm good my family's okay and the world is right the world is is um struggling uh and there are certainly huge groups of people struggling and what we have learned, or I hope we've learned, is that we're kind of in this together. <laughs> there is no community that you can go, well, you know, if they make it or don't make it, it's not going to affect me. We are inextricably tied to each other, mm. for better or worse. And it just, it just makes, it reminds me, I, I got to keep doing my part. Um, and, I, and I really think it's a, it, 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 I don't want to overstate that. I think what I do is is fine and, and it, it, it helps contribute. But everybody, to the extent that they can, has to take care of their own. And then they have to take care of the people that are, that are not their own mm-hmm. as best we can, mm-hmm. because my grandchild is going to need all those people. Mm-hmm. He's going to need the world that they build or the world that they, you know, mm-hmm. don't build. So... It, it's like a, it, it, that's a, a long-winded answer for is it nice to be a grandpa yeah it's really sweet <laughs> that's a beautiful thank you for sharing that i think it's, it's really it's it's so candid and so real and you know i think especially around this time of year energy can be contagious and and it's something that you have shared with so many people around the world and around this time, you know, it it is a joyous time, but it's also a hard time for a lot of folks. And giving that perspective of babies being born and the next generation coming is, is I think really important. And you, you're like the best grandpa ever. I can already tell that. I mean, I feel like uh... this is like, now you've, you've, you've gone into this new evolution where you're one of America's elders. And I really view you that way. Like, I think, I think you've become, you know, the Festivus thing is a great, component because you're kind of the spiritual leader that's bigger than religion and the way you weave together culture and family (laughs) and politics i'm gassing you up but it's deserved and everyone who's heard you on this show in the past and heard you in more informal settings understands it and and i think that i can't wait to see what that little guy is going to do i have my little my little guys are seven and three and um last night I, i was going to a meeting and they asked me what i was doing and i told them i was you know, working on some stuff having to do with with Ukraine and and politics. And they said, you know, my little guy said, like, is Putin gone yet? And and then my other kid said, is Donald Trump coming back? And and like they're engaged and they're aware. And, you know, they're also functioning in this world where, you know, the pandemic is still impacting their lives. You know, we just got to note they have to mask back up at times. And there's RSV and, and and my preschool kid there's a pink eye and there's strep throat i mean it's like a giant petri dish right of the, right. the old world the stuff. blasio's 3k <laughs> public petri dish but yeah. 
Um, I want to ask you to talk about kind of the, the macro political landscape, too, because your insights there are always important. It's independent Americans. I think you you have a really unique and independent perspective. When we look at the midterms, right, we've covered it here on this show, and I've talked about the independent wave. Um, I, I want to just what are your takeaways from the midterms and from where we are at this moment, where it's also maybe kind of a temporary lull before Congress comes back in session and beats the heck out of each other from partisan sides. But how do you shape up and think about where we are right now in the political world? Well, you know, like like most um, Democrats or progressives or whatever you want to call us, the midterms were a shocking and very pleasant surprise. I, I, I had sort of girded for a much more disastrous result. Um, And I was uh, almost um, giddy, not because of the sense of, oh, we won. It wasn't the team thing. But I was really afraid that America had gotten to the the point where, where things were so divided and we had become so tribal that that there were not enough of us left that cared about, well, let's just preserve our democracy. Let's preserve our traditions. Let's preserve our, uh, our, our, our systems and our institutions. I really thought anarchy was going to rule. Um, and what we found was no matter where people sat on the political divide, there were enough of us that went, no, I value America as I understood it to be. I value our, our democracy as we define it. And it is worth saving. And in many cases, for many people, it was worth leaving the party that they think best represents them for one vote at least, as, as typified by you know, Texas and Florida, where the governor stood, the Republican governor stood, but the secretary of states were not the radicals or their their uh, state uh, uh, congressional uh, parties were not the radicals uh, or their or their, you know, Senate candidates were not the radicals. Um, that was extraordinary and unexpected and filled me with hope and reinforced this thing that I do believe, which makes our political situation so tragic. Every time, and Paul, you and I have talked about this. Every time I have engaged one-on-one with someone who is on paper, the opposite, diametrically opposed to my beliefs, it has never been true. Mm -hmm. We almost always have so much in common as to the result we would like to see. Where we differ is in what would get us there. Mm-hmm. We don't differ that much in, in what we'd like to have as a result, because at the end of the day, I think most people really just want to feel safe and secure and happy mm-hmm. that there is a possibility that tomorrow might be even better than today. And they are perfectly fine with everyone else prospering in the same way, as long as it doesn't diminish the possibility for them. That's where everybody is. And there is a kindness and there is a community to that. And so the midterm for me spoke to that to some small degree. I mean, we're not past the worst of it by a long shot. Mm -hmm. 
but it gave me a hope that I was having trouble clinging to. And I also believe that some, some good people are being sent into leadership positions and that hopefully they will find a way to navigate us out of this mess. And I'd be more concerned if it was just us, but this is a global phenomenon right now. This, this move towards a sort of a new, a new far right, a new sort of anarchistic or fascistic or, you know, um, autocratic um, thinking has uh, has having a sort of global moment in the sun that I don't quite understand. Mm. Um, other than here, here's what here's the sort of uh, lens I look at it through. I really do believe that our 21st century is vastly different from our 20th century. And I always remind people of the Y2K thing, where everybody thought, <laughs> you know, at uh, 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 New Year's Eve to the year 2000 that. There was going to be Armageddon. That the 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 the, the technological systems we built were going to crash, and societies we knew it was going to fall, and there was going to be uh, you know just mayhem everywhere. And it didn't happen. Mm. So everybody went, "Oh, twenty first century, just like the twentieth century, no big deal." And it is so not. Mm. The the amount of change that has happened in the last twenty two years is is probably greater than the last 150 years combined. Mm. And for people who are conservative in in every definition of it, change, especially rapid change, is a frightening thing because they can't quite find their place in it. And so they are worried about being lost and about having no value, about disappearing, about not having a place. And so their natural inclination is to try and put the brakes on it, mm. to slow it down, or in fact, pull it back to something that they were far more comfortable with. And because the, the change is so rapid right now, I think people who are conservatively inclined, and I also think conservative versus progressive is in your DNA. I think it's like sexual preference. You don't make an intellectual decision about it, although into, you know, experience can change your mind or alter your perceptions. But I think you're either someone who looks at change and goes, ooh, that's exciting, or you're someone who looks at change and goes, I'm not so sure. <laughs> so, you know, um, and so some of us are excited by the change, and some of us are, are essentially frightened Mm. by the change. Mm. And I think that's the divide. And unfortunately, the move towards authoritarianism or fascism or, or, or this far right pull back the brakes, um, a lot of lovely people who are conservative have sympathy towards those ideas, even though they are not sympathetic to the extreme of it. They're not you know, they're not bigots. They're not racist. They don't really want a dictatorship. They just want a, a society that they recognize a little more and that they see themselves fitting into mm. a little more. Mm. And so going back to the question, the midterms for me was a handshake for a moment that said, okay, okay, the change, the pullback has gone too far. Our side went too far. And it also begs the question, hey, other side, are you moving too fast? Mm. Are you moving faster than we can handle and faster Mm. than we can assimilate and faster than we can accommodate? 
And it's a good conversation to be having. It's a good, it's a good time to check in. And it's a good conversation to be led by thoughtful, experienced, responsible voices like yours. Uh, well, like I, I, I mean it. I, I think it's really, really important. I was, I want to talk about Elon in a way, and I was debating a friend about it last night, and he asked me, like, you know, what's the big problem with Elon? I said, he's a shitty example for my kids. Like, the way uh, he treats people, the yeah. way he acts, and that's what I always go back to. That's what used to bother me the most about Trump and bothers me the most about some leaders with if they're mean or they're disconnected or they're callous. But I think this tone and and the artistry of it, and you're a master of language and of communication, and I wish the White House had you helping them communicate. And frankly, I wish you were governor of California instead of the current governor. But don't, don't waste that on me, please. <laughs> well, there's a need. There's a need for there's a need for for our better angels and also for voices that people trust. And I think when I described the, the midterms, I said, you know, Democrats are elated, Republicans are pissed, and independents are really grateful that the lunatic didn't get elected. Right. Like that's kind of where we are. And I think you're 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 talking about the handshake is right. Um, and now it's fun to watch fun. It, it's interesting to watch the Democrats lose their shit over Kirsten Cinema, right? right? Who now I think I could have seen coming. I've, I met her in early days, you know, and, and I think she's on to something. And you are great at understanding the power of celebrity and the power of words. Like she, in my view, is kind of this political celebrity manufactured idea. And she also is an opportunist. So she recognizes that independence a hell of a great brand. Right. Especially in, in the position she's in. And I think we're going to see this popularity of the idea of independent. And it could be defined by her or Tulsi Gabbard or Donald Trump or Andrew Yang or me or whoever. But I think there's going to be a fight over what it means to be independent. And I think that's important and exciting. But I also want to ask you, you know, you are a Democrat, but you're, I think, a reasonable, thoughtful um, you know, uh, evolved Democrat, I think, you know, especially given your experience and how much you've seen. What is your takeaway from cinema in particular? Because we've seen this older generation of independents that were Bernie Sanders or Angus King that still caucused with the Democrats. Now you've got cinema. What what do you make of, of Kirsten Cinema and this this thing, this moment? Well, you know, like everybody else, I, I I'm cautious about characterizing her or characterizing her motives because I don't know her. So I, I'm limited to what she has said and what she has done. Um, there, there are many possibilities on the table as to what motivates her. One may be genuinely what she claims, which is she is an independent. She doesn't fit into the marching orders of either party. Um, she is reactive to her constituents in Arizona. And she feels that her choices, including this one, are reflective of who she is and who her um, supporters want her to be and how they want to be represented. That is all entirely possible. It is also possible that um, that she and I and by the way, I don't limit this to her. I think everyone in politics, to some degree, um, you cannot have a small ego and, and go into, uh, you know, the American political scene is certainly not at the federal level. So um, it's possible that there is an ego there that has felt a taste of having 
um, perhaps disproportionate influence because of her positions, mm. that the minute she saw a majority Democratic Senate where her influence could be lessened, she found a very brilliant way to make sure that she still was an influencer. And again, I, I don't have, I, I don't find that necessarily to be a negative. I don't, I don't mean it pejoratively, but it would be motivated by something other than, you know, what's best for my constituents. Um, and I don't know which one it is. Mm. Uh, I, I do believe her stated uh, goals of trying to get out of this box of, you know, party fealty uh, and that everything, you know, philosophically on one side or the other must be adhered to. I, I think that's noble. And if that's what's driving her and if she can be effective, um, particularly as a bridge between both sides of the aisle, then I think she could be of tremendous service to the country hmm. uh, and to herself, whatever her personal goals may be. And, uh, you know, I can only sit back and hope that that is foremost in her mind. Um, but, you know, I, the, the other truth is, from my side, there's been a lot of damage to our nation over the last six years. And I'm sorry to say that from my limited lens, a lot of that damage has come from adherence or, or um, kowtowing to a very extreme far-right agenda. Mm -hmm. And our, our institutions have been damaged and we need to rebuild. And the only way I know to rebuild is either to, to convince the Republicans to come back to the table or to take Democratic leadership and let it run the ball for a couple of yards just so we get back to the, you know, to the 50-yard the line instead of to down by the end, end goals. So um, I, I think she potentially could do some damage to what I think is a necessary little bit of mending uh, over the next year or two before we get to the next presidential election. And we won't know until we see how it all plays out, how she plays out. I'm fascinated about um, what's going to happen in what is presumably the, the McCarthy Congress, you know, House. Um, uh, somebody, I, I can't remember who, I'd certainly credit them, said, I, I wouldn't wish Kevin McCarthy's next two years on Kevin McCarthy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think there's a... <laughs> there's there's so much insight packed into everything you say, but it's like there's so many moments where I'm like, boy, I wish Seinfeld was still around to to rip into this, right? I mean, it's just like the the, the Kirsten cinema of it all, and there's yeah. so many of these other figures that have that have emerged. I think for me, and I think for many other independents, the thing with cinema and so many others is it just feels like bullshit, right? And it feels like it wasn't honest to the people who voted for her, right? If you came out and said, I'm an independent, vote for me, I'm an independent. But when you pull the switcheroo and say, hey, you know, I was a Dodgers fan, now I'm a Giants fan, you know, midway through the season, um, I think that that is, is what people don't trust. And I think rightfully so, but it's also a time where, you know, we've talked about the rise of independence. You've been building bridges before we, we hit record, you were talking about your friends organization starts with us. Yeah. Um, and, and we see these other movements to try to bring not just the middle, but people who are, you know, none of the above and yeah. who don't want to be a part of this process and want to kind of break the system. So, you know, you, 
operate in many different social and, and political and business circles. Do you, can you talk about what you see there? I mean, you, you, you know, especially in the entertainment world, you've been really great. And even today talking about what's next, um, you know, do you, do you, what do you see there, right? For the folks who say, no matter what, I'm never going to be a Democrat. And no matter what, I'm never going to be a Republican. Um, you know, I've talked about the unique opportunity to bring them together, but we've been lacking leadership. We're stuck with Kirsten Cinema, right? Um, can you talk about what you see there now and maybe in the future? Are you talking specifically about uh, in the in that political arena? Yeah, I mean, and in the country, like in the yeah. culture, right? Like for for the most of the half of Americans who aren't voting regularly and don't yeah. care as much as maybe we do, or folks yeah. who are tracking on politics, some of the folks um, you spoke of who aren't as you know deeply divided as maybe we think. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, what do I see? I, I, I see a couple things, Paul. Um, in talking to people, it is still very hard to have conversations in which somebody must give a little on their point of view. Mm. Um, one of the, um, you know, one, one, of, one of the sad realities of how our politics has gone recently um, is that most people are not comfortable doing something that I can give you an example I had to do years ago. Um, and I'll, I'll start with the example. When Colin Powell got up and explained why we had to go into Iraq, I was there because I believed in the truth of his argument and his evidence. I, I believe, and by the way, I, I, to me, Colin Powell is still a, a heroic and triumphant figure and someone who I respect and admire greatly. But that respect was diminished because I, I, because of who he was, I totally invested in what he said. I took it as truth. And I, among more of my progressive friends, was the guy going, no, man, they would never lie to us about this. We got to go. This is an existential protection. We're getting right. And it turned out to not be true. And I then had to go to my friends and say, you know what? I was wrong. Hmm. I, I, I was misled. I, I didn't, I only had the information I had. I believed in people um, perhaps before I should have and didn't do the work to, to think about it more or investigate it more. And I was wrong. Well, saying I was wrong is not easy for a lot of people. Hmm. <laughs> you know? And I've met a lot of people who they're not Trumpers, but they voted for Trump. Right. And it is very hard for them to say, I was wrong. They would much rather look at a couple of his policies that they think had positive ramifications and say, no, you know, you guys are way too hard on him. You know, he's a failed man, but he did good things. And they make all kinds, but they don't want to say, I backed the wrong horse. Mm. I, I could have gone with a with a Jeb Bush or a Marco Rubio or, a, you know, a, a, a reasonable, moderate, but true conservative Republican. And I didn't. I went I went with the showboat. I got on I got on that bandwagon. Yeah. And somebody I, it might have been Charles Blow, uh, um, who I think is wonderful, but I may be I may be crediting him with the wrong phrase. But did an article. I read an article years ago about the politics of humiliation. Mm. And that we're playing that game and that in order for me to win, I have to humiliate you into submission or regret. Yeah. And it, it ain't going to work. Mm. So 
what what I'm what I'm hopeful may happen, despite my conversations, where people tenaciously cling to where they were a couple of years ago, even though it does not define them, but it is too painful for them at this point to admit, perhaps I made some misjudgments, perhaps I made some miscalls. What I, what I would like to see, and I think the midterms maybe spoke to it a little bit, is which part of the title of your show we lean into more, independent mm. or Americans? Mm. If we could get back to thinking of ourselves as Americans and to understand what we defined American to be, at least in our higher selves, there's always been, you know, prejudice against immigrants. It's always been race prejudice and religious prejudice. We have our problems in this country, but we were and are the best example of what happens when the fabric of a society is this diverse. It makes us more resilient than any other society because we are all threatened by the same crises and the same problems. But when you are in a homogenous society that has one point of view, <clears throat> you only see one answer to any given solution. And if you're wrong, you're screwed. But in a diverse society where so many different experiences, so many different points of view, so many different histories, so many different lenses on every situation are available, then you have an amalgam of solutions, an amalgam of possibilities. Mm. And you, you generally are more uh, capable and adaptable to overcome any, any obstacle, any problem. Mm. <clears throat> There's a strength in our, in our division, um, but it's also challenging. Mm. But when I was a kid, even though um, the black civil rights movements was, it was you know, I was, a, I was born in 59, so the 60s, I'm a kid. <clears throat> and all that mayhem and all that unrest and all that struggle. I knew people that weren't comfortable with, with, um, with black rights or the black movement, but I didn't know anybody who didn't think of them as Americans. Mm. They went, this is our society and we have an issue in our society and we haven't dealt with it yet. And it's, but they didn't think, nobody thought, get them out of here. They're not Americans. They thought we have to figure out how to do this, mm. and I'm not comfortable without how, with how you know the, the the aggressiveness of their movement. But I also know that you know where we came from, and we owe, and they owe, and we owe, and we have to. There was no sense of I'm an American and they're not. Mm. Uh, anybody that came here with the idea of building a life and contributing to this country was an American. And, and that, to me, has been lost in the last decade mm. or so. Mm. And if we could just get back to that sense of, it's exactly what happened on 9-11. We were all in it together. You know, it didn't matter who or what you were on that day. You were an American. And our country, our sovereignty, our, our citadel was demolished on the blood of innocence. Mm. And we went, we, we came together in a way that was profoundly moving and we kind of blew it. We kind of squandered it. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe, maybe we can start to get.
get back to that. And if our if our if our candidates, if our Congress, certainly our president wants to wants to create that again. Um, and God help us if we ever elect another president that doesn't actually believe in the value of two parties and two points of view. You can't you can't govern half a country. You can't make laws that leave half a nation behind. And that's where we are. Yeah. 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 The, um, the you, you sit in this very unique vantage point. And, and I think, um, I, I think especially given your experience and your sense of history, you're, you're a voice that, that matters to people, especially in moments like this. And, and I think especially when they hear you talk about other topics, we're living in this time where, you've got like, it feels like an up and down every day. Like it's, it's a contrast, right? Like you, there's a school shooting and then fusion happens, right? Like there's this, right. There's this constant contrast in our day to day where you wake up in the morning and Oh shit, this terrible thing happened. And then later in the day, wow, this happened. Right. You know, it, it's, it's, I've used the world cup at part in, in part as, as a structure, we're recording this as the world cup is underway. I know you're not a huge world cup fan, but you are on Twitter. And you've been, I think that might've been, you know, how we stayed in touch, how many people have stayed in touch. I think that's a, a valuable kind of public square that I've lived in and worked in for many years. You, you're in there. Um, you're one of many people I know that, that has been watching what's happening. What do you make of Elon Musk and this moment? Because he is, it seems to be inflaming those divisions. Um hate speech and other things are now have a new um, forum that they didn't before, in my view, frankly. Um, and you've been great about tackling some of these hateful issues in the past. What, what do you make of that? And how do you react to it when, you know, when you have someone like an Elon that is overflowing into our world, how do you, how do you approach it? Um, again, uh, uh, to start any conversation about a person I don't know, I have to start with, I, I don't know them. I don't mm. know their minds. I don't know their hearts. I don't know what drives them. I, I, I'm only, I can only see what they say, and I can only see what they do. Um, there's so much about Elon Musk and what seems to be his goals that are noble and exciting and uplifting. My understanding is... His essential position is that speech should be open and free and available. And, you know, he's sort of a very much a libertarian in that way. He just, mm. you know, now I have to also say I'm an, I, I am a supporter of the anti-defamation league. Mm. And one of the reasons I support them is they never seem to want to shut somebody down for what they say. In fact, they do the opposite. They say, if you're going to say it, we're going to shine a light on it mm -hmm. and you have to own it. And if there are consequences for owning it, that's on you. We're not going to shut you down. We're not fighting to say you can't say that word or you can't make that, you know, make that claim. So I can't be an advocate for the ADL and totally crap on, on, on what may be Elon Musk's thinking. However. I don't understand the motivation for buying Twitter, other than he thought it might be a financial gain to him. <clears throat> but I don't understand how he thought it would be a financial gain. I, I, I'm, I'm not anywhere near that kind of business acumen. But I could look at where Twitter was financially and what its 
what its business model was doing and what service it was providing and go, I, I don't think this is going to be a juggernaut financial investment here. So I don't know why he why he bought it unless it was with this idea of I want to create a free speech highway there. The problem with Twitter that I have, a problem with a lot of social media, and, and I got angry at him when he started messing around with the blue check mark. Because it took some doing for me to get that blue check mark to prove that I was who I was. And if I go on Twitter and I say something and it's not, and I haven't been hacked, and as far as I know, I haven't been hacked, um, I'm responsible for it. I said it. You can, you, you know, whether I can, I don't think I've ever taken down a tweet because it seems stupid to me. By the time you take it down, it's well known that it was there. Yeah. So if I've made a mistake, I'm responsible for the mistake. If I've made, if, if I've offended somebody or I've hurt somebody's feelings, I, I don't really like doing that. I, I feel God awful every time I am guilty of it, but I have to own it. And Twitter to me is where it's full, it's full of shadows and rocks that scum can hide under. Mm-hmm. You want to say something, have the cojones to say it, claim it, Put yourself out there and say, this is who I am. This is what I believe. Otherwise, it's worthless. And that is my whole thing. And that goes straight up to you. How do you put any faith in a faceless, nameless, all right, I'm going to take a letter. I'm P. I'm going to go on Twitter now and I'm going to be P. No one's going to know it. And I'm going to start making claims and I'm going to build a religion out of it. It is insane to me that anyone would give any credence to a nameless, faceless shadow. Mm -hmm. Um, That is my problem with Twitter. And when Elon Musk goes on Twitter and says, it's an open freeway for people who have to, to create avatars that are destructive and hateful and violent and provocative and create trouble in their communities for the joy of having an effect on a community, even though they can't take the credit for it. Mm-hmm. It feels powerful to them. And so they indulge in it. And for him to not know that and to fan it and to himself retweet or reclaim anything that comes out of that cesspool is, in my view, irresponsible. Mm -hmm. I think Elon Musk could be a great thing for Twitter. I really do. And I think believing in free speech to that effect could uh, could be a great thing. But you've got to make people responsible for what they say. Mm. That's the cost. Yep. You have to be responsible for what you say. Yep. Until that happens, for me, he's on the side of of the villainous. And, but I don't I don't make the claim that he intends to be villainous. Mm. I just think it's a sin of omission mm. at this point. And and until he becomes responsible for what and says, I am responsible mm. for what happens on this website, I can't, su- I can't support him. And, I, and I'm still on Twitter. 
um, I, I barely use it anymore and I barely look at it anymore because until I, I'm waiting to see if, if it comes to its senses. Mm. And if it doesn't, then please God, let the next wonderful medium for us to communicate mm. rise and I will go and support that. Mm. But um, I, I'm, I'm very worried about Twitter right mm. now. As I am about any of these social media where the nameless and faceless get to play and open their mouths. Mm. You can say anything if there's no cost. Right. If it, if it, if it has to be attributed to you, you might speak very differently. Mm. I think that, that, that this is one of the more interesting takes, Jason, I've heard on this entire thing. And I, I, I tried to you know, communicate to folks, the blue check mark thing is not about celebrity. It's not about status. It's about authenticity. It's about verifying. Right. It's like it's your name on the bottom of your check. It's your family name on the back of your jersey. And I try not to engage. I used to not engage with non-verified accounts just because I didn't know if they were Russian sock puppets or they right. were you know, <laughs> bots or they were maliciously inclined people. And I've said that our our enemies are celebrating this this chaos and this destruction. It's it's got the fuckery of Putin written all over it. And, it's you know, if if Twitter is a restaurant. Right. That Elon Musk owns. You're letting a bunch of assholes into the restaurant to fuck things up. They're making everyone else's experience crap. And I think yeah. that and threatening people and making them feel uncomfortable or unsafe. And I think that's a, a way of looking at it, because I do think it's a community. It's a self-selecting community. It's a virtual community. But there is a sense of community. Right. And it, it's so much bigger than just a turd in a punch bowl. I mean, this is this is letting you know, the racists stand at the end of the bar and scream at everybody while everyone else is trying to have a nice conversation with their friends and family. So I think your take is really important, Jason. I know uh, you've generously offered, since it is a giving spirit this season, to stick around and answer a couple of special questions for our Patreon members. I want to thank them for being our special elves during this holiday season. Um, a, a final question, my friend, and thank you again for all of this insight and wisdom and you know, while you're, while you're praising me, can yes. I just tell you, you remain and you have been from the day I first knew the, knew the name, Paul Rygoff, you have been a true hero of mine in every sense of the word for the service that you've given to our country in uniform, to the service that you've given to your fellow service men and women, and to the fact that you have these conversations and I think you do them in a very positive way. It is easy to do a podcast like this mm. and, and sit in the negative and sit in the divisive and, and, you know, and, and throw stones. You don't do that. You are, you are one of the people who are actually trying to bring sense and community back to our airwaves, to our nation. And I have so much love and admiration for you. And so screw me. Thank you for what you have actually done, because my friend, it's I'm happy to make people laugh. But, you know, you went in there and did the hard work. You put your life on the line to serve us. And my family owes you, sir. Well, I am I'm grateful for that and and for your friendship. And um, I, I think as you're you know, we just you're our 201st episode. Um, you are, I think you're my favorite guest. I got to say that I, I think because I just enjoy our conversations and I know other folks listening do too. And when I created this, this platform, I wanted it to be a, a way for people to have real conversations. 
and to have respectful conversations and also for the folks listening to feel like they're a part of it and they're a fly on the wall and they can see into our worlds and a bit into our souls. And, and I want to bring people who bring positivity to contrast all that negativity. So I want to ask you a final question. That's a, that's a tough one, but it's the end of 2022. Um, you are, you are like the perfect bookend to every year. Uh, we missed you last year, but the two years prior folks should go back and listen. I hope you'll come back next year. Um, your, your grandson uh, may one day listen to this conversation. What, what, what would you want your message to your grandson to be uh, as we end 2022 and go into 2023? Um, it's the message that I try to now live as much as I can and that I espouse as much as I can. And it goes back to my mom. Mm. Um, I think you, you and I may have talked about it before. My, my mother was a nurse all her working life, and she had a long working life. Um, she eventually built and ran a school of nursing. I mean, she was a dedicated healthcare worker. And what drove her was she felt it was the place where she could be of most service to people. And she very much wanted me to go into medicine, A, because she was a Jewish mother, and that's what you do. Um, but she, but what motivated her was she wanted her child to live a life of service. And um, both she and I were very concerned when I became an actor that it wasn't really that. I mean, I, the truth is I became an actor because apparently I was, I was okay at it, and it served me. And I was able to make a living and, and, uh, and then come celebrity and people are very generally very nice to me. <laughs> and, you know, uh, if there's no table at a restaurant, there's a table at a restaurant. If there's no ticket for a show. There's a ticket for a show. And you know, it's these bizarre and unearned perks just because, um, you have a certain notoriety, but I've also learned, uh, because people have been gracious enough to share it with me that much of my career has been of service to people during very dark times in their lives when they needed to escape and they needed to laugh. And I've been blessed enough to, that most of the work I've done has been in the service of lifting people up. You know, I don't, I don't do the heavy dramas. I don't do the gunplay. I don't do the miserable people. Most of the time I tend to do musicals and comedies and lighthearted things um, that people have, really been helped by at dark times. So what I would say uh, to little Bennett, which is his name, is that you have been born into extraordinary blessings that you may not be aware of. Mm. You were born healthy. Mm. You were born with a mother and a father, mm. two parents. doesn't matter what their gender is. Yours happened to be a man and a woman, but you have two parents who wanted you, were ready for you and adore you. And you have a family that adores you. And you have a small community that will grow, that cares about your well-being, and that you thrive. And hopefully, as you go through your days, you will build on that community. And you will have a good education. You'll have the best education money can buy. And in a world that is challenged, the people who love you are going to try and soften those challenges. Mm. to give you the best advantages you can have in this lifetime. Be of service. Be grateful. Do something with your life 
that makes you happy and serves as many people as you possibly can. Because if you can do that, you have lived a valuable life. You have lived a good life. No matter what mistakes you make, we all make them. I can't tell you the number of things I have done in my, in my stupid journey that I wish I could take back where people's feelings have been hurt. But I, I hope and I pray that I've done enough things of service that the balance sheet will wind up being this was a guy that made life a better place than not. Mm. If we could each do that, I want to say to all these people who are out in the streets screaming, who are online screaming, are you having a good life? Mm. If you're that angry, if you're that hateful, if you're that put upon, you're doing something wrong mm. <laughs> because mm. there's got to be somebody who loves you, that needs you to be generous, that needs you to be happy, that needs you to be positive. Stop focusing on all the people that challenge you and focus for a minute on all the people that actually care about you, mm. that are happy you exist. Give them something today. Give them something tomorrow. Give them a laugh. Give them a smile. Give them a helping hand. Give them one selfless act that says, thank you for caring about me. Here's something I can do for you. Mm. If my children and my grandchild are doing that, they all bear my last name because they're all boys. Um, then I'm a very proud father and a grandfather. They don't need to do anything else. Mm -hmm. I don't care what else they do or what else they become. If they can go through their life and say, I did something for somebody else today. And then I was selfish as hell, but I did one thing for somebody else today. Mm -hmm. And do that every day of their life. I, I cannot ask or wish anything else of them. Mm -hmm. And, and if we could all find a way to do that, and really, it's a very small thing. I, I'm not talking about miraculous changes. Yeah. But to do one thing every day, every one of us, that doesn't necessarily serve us, but just serve somebody else. Um, I, I can't even imagine what that, would, what that change would evoke in the world. Mm. Thank you. You are a holiday gift. Your wisdom, <laughs> your your wisdom, your your heart, and and every time I speak to you, I'm reminded your example, uh, you're especially very as someone as that is a leader of your family and is is I think a, a leader of this family of America in ways that 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 uh, are really huge. You you just you're giving us a, a tremendous gift, and I am grateful for that. I'm grateful for your friendship. I wish you a very happy holiday. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Festivus. Happy Festivus. Get the poll up. I have a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> and 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 when I can't wait to see all the things that young Bennett will do with his life. Uh, um, and it is it is a wonderful pleasure and an honor to know you, my friend. Thank you for all you do. And and happy holidays. Save happiness time. back to you, brother. Have a great year. Thank you, man.
Now you understand why Jason Alexander may be my favorite guest of all time. He is a wonderful, generous, kind, funny, inspiring man. If you want more of him this holidays, go back and watch Seinfeld, especially if you're younger and you don't know Seinfeld. You can watch The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. You can watch Pretty Woman. You can watch so many things that he's been a part of throughout his career. And you can follow him on Twitter. Follow whatever he does and whatever he's in. He is a true American icon. He is a true American conscience. And he is a true American helper. Always look for the helpers. There will always be helpers. You know, even just on the sidelines. Because if you look for the helpers you'll know that there's hope. The helpers are out there this Festivus. We see them especially this time of year. So look for them all across the country and all around the world. We will continue to recognize them on this show, especially around the holidays. And this holiday, after we lost a truly great one. Sunny day, sweeping up clouds away. The great Bob McGrath has passed, a beloved member of the Sesame Street family for over 50 years. And the Sesame Workshop posted a beautiful tribute to mourn the passing of this legendary man. He was a founding cast member, and he embodied the melodies of Sesame Street like no one else. And his performances brought joy and wonder to generations of children around the world. Whether teaching them the ABCs, the people in their neighborhood, or the simple joy of feeling music in their hearts. A revered performer worldwide, Bob's rich tenor filled the airwaves and concert halls from Las Vegas to Saskatchewan to Tokyo many times over. They wrote, we will be forever grateful for his many years of passionate, creative contributions to Sesame Street and honored he shared so much of his life with us. For the pilot episode of Sesame Street, the very first one, the opening theme was sung by Bob McGrath. And that's what you heard here. That warm and welcoming voice would bring generations of children countless memories for nearly 50 years. Thank you for the sunny days, Bob. Oscar the Grouch even tweeted, Bob was one of the nicest guys I ever knew. He was my perfect opposite. That's my terrible Oscar the Grouch, but I grew up taught and guided by Bob McGrath. He was a demonstration for me in kindness, generosity, thoughtfulness. He led powerfully by his example. And he's done the same for my kids, who also now know him from the show. So thank you for all you did for children and for the entire world, Bob. This holiday season, you taught us all how to be a true helper. Head full of good thoughts, belly full of grub, money in your pocket when there ain't no hole in the wash tub. Check the hashtag, look for the helpers on Twitter and share yours. This holiday, like every holiday, my favorite Christmas movie is Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas because it's a kind and loving movie about helping others. So share your stories with me while you're on social. Share your stories of helpers. And when you're on social... Have a little fun this holiday and play Guest the Guest every Wednesday and go to independentamericans.us where you can check out this show. You can check out our archives. You can go back and listen to the other episodes with Jason Alexander, which I highly recommend. There's still time to get Independent Americans merch in time for the holidays. So check that out. 
You can also sign up for our newsletter, have that under your Christmas tree or your Festivus poll. And you can also see video of me and Jason where you can see my tree. You can see inside my apartment and see my tree. The World Cup tree that we had before has finally transformed. We have a new tree. It is fully decorated and we're calling him Nelson. Yes, Nelson. We have decided now, the boys and my wife and I, to name our tree every year after the person we buy it from. And the boys sure do love Nelson. You can see that on YouTube or independentamericans.us and subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever. If you're listening right now, I'm going to ask you to pause and go do it right now. Here, pause. Okay, you back? Excellent. Good job. Thank you very much. Thank you for supporting this show. You can also support this show by joining our Patreon community. That's a great crew of people who make this show possible. Thank you to all of you, especially this holiday season, for giving of yourselves to help us bring this content. And thank you to our new members, especially including Linda Curtis. Happy Festivus to you, Miss Curtis. Welcome to the Patreon community for independent Americans. If you are a Patreon member like Linda, you can get a special extra 15-minute clip with Jason. It's a good one. It's a long one. We get into all kinds of stuff. He talks about comedians he likes. He tells some jokes. And you get to hear this entire show with no ads if you are a member of our Patreon community. So check it out and help us continue to bring the five eyes in all our podcasts and everything we do to end this year and to bring in a strong and powerful and inspiring 2023. We will do it with the five eyes, independence, integrity, information, inspiration, and impact. And I'll have a few special surprise episodes for you next Thursday and the Thursday after that to end the year, but they'll be different. There'll be some stuff you haven't heard before, fun, special, and short And then I'll be back in January with new conversations and new episodes to start off the year right. And it's only possible due to the incredible Festivus crew of the Righteous Media team, creative Chris Rosenthal, brilliant Bill Schultz, precise Paula Hernandez, and, of course, my wife and amazing two little boys. It's Dominic the donkey, jingity-jing, the Italian Christmas donkey. Yeah, this holiday, like every holiday, my favorite Christmas movie is always Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, and my favorite song is Dominic the donkey. As I've shared on this show in years past, that's what this song is. My grandmother was Italian-American, and this is a classic Italian-American song. But this year, amazingly, One country that was not in the World Cup was Italy. But despite that, it's been an incredible World Cup. Croatia did it again. They were the giant killer. They knocked down Brazil in the most dramatic way possible. And the best World Cup ever just keeps getting better. Last weekend was one of the best days of playoff sports I can remember in any sport. And it was Messi's time, finally. Argentina looked like a team that could not be stopped. And right before I recorded this, France beat Morocco. Morocco's inspiring run that you heard about last episode with Ayan Mohideen came to an end. They lost the match, but they won the attention, admiration, and respect of the world and showed us how this entire World Cup has been about so much more than soccer. And the boys and I have been watching all of it. And also, this past weekend, we watched something else. Army-Navy. The annual Army-Navy football game. That's about so much more than football. 
young leaders representing the best of what America's all about and what America can be in the future. There's a lot of talk about leadership in sports, but during the Army-Navy game, we saw what real leadership looked like, including leadership from their families, especially their families. It's the best example ever of one game, but one team in one fight. And it was an overtime game, the first overtime game in Army-Navy history, and the good college football kind, not the garbage NFL-type overtime, and Army won in double overtime. But as always, America was the true winner in this game. It's often said around this game, it's the only game where everyone playing is willing to die for everyone watching. That's what that game is all about. And it's a reminder of what can happen when there's no party, when there are only Americans, lots and lots of independent Americans. The game showed us how much we all have to be thankful for and about how there's still lots to be happy about in this country. Hey, jingity jing, it's Dominic the donkey. Jingity jing, the Italian Christmas donkey. So this song, Dominic the Donkey, makes me happy. And that's what this season is supposed to be all about. Sharing joy and happiness. Whether you're Christian, Jewish, Muslim, atheist, something else, or nothing else, it's about joy and about family and about recognition of what we do have and how we want things to be better and about reflection and about warmth and about kindness. That's what the holidays are supposed to be about, even when they're tough. And that's what America's supposed to be about, even when things are tough. It's been a hard year, but there's always joy to be found, especially around children and especially around others, and especially around you. So much love and my deepest thanks for all you've done to support me and this show and each other this holiday and throughout this year. Independent Americans are leading the way. We're fighting the forces of ignorance and stupidity, and we're greatly outnumbered, but we are helping. We are making a difference, and we are the change we seek. This Christmas, this Hanukkah, this Kwanzaa, this Festivus, and we can continue to recruit others to declare their independence. We can win against all the biggest threats. Hateful regimes, corruption, gun violence, Putin, extremism, the two-party duopoly, all of it. And we can spread joy and hope. So stay vigilant, my friend, because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And no, you're not alone in your vigilance. We're all vigilant. From Arizona to the National Ignition Facility at Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California. From Qatar to Kiev. From France to Argentina. From Brittany Grenier to Paul Whelan. From Frank Costanza to George Costanza. From Jason Alexander and from me and my family to you. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thank you for listening. Down with Putin. Slava Ukraini. Stay vigilant, America. And Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. And happy Festivus.
Powered by Righteous Media.